Hello, fellow crossers. It's week nine of ABC's The Crossing Podcast, the place where we discuss all things crossing-related, going in-depth on the episode you just saw, exploring the science behind the fiction, and with us, as always, the creators of The Crossing, writers Dan Dworkin and Jay Beattie. Hi, guys. Yo. Hey, how are you? I'm your host, ABC Radio's Jason Nathanson, and let's just do it, jump right into this week's episode, where we're getting a pretty major character late in the game, I feel, in Diana. She's the... Time machine inventor, yeah, Correct. one of them. Is that where? where uh, so, kind of uh, discuss how you decided to introduce her so late. I mean, we only have a couple episodes left now. Yeah, and she seems like she's pretty major. Yep. So, why hold her back and not introduce her sooner? Or th- that's just how it organically came to you guys. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think. We, we always wanted to get into the idea that there were more... It seemed to make sense that there would have been a bogey refugee out there, yeah. at least one that didn't kind of follow the the perfect jet stream that all the other ones, okay. whatever the jet stream equivalent is in the water, right. like the, the tide, the current, <laughs> that kind of, you know, went went the other way. And, and so we always, I, I think we thought early on, could there be some sort of, even though not that much time has passed, but some sort of homeless type fringe character who's just you know sleepwalking around this town and and no one is the wiser to the fact that this is actually someone from the future and then and then that dovetailed i with our desire to visit the threshold a little more in this episode and go back there and shoot that and build that and show what it was like on that day and i think i mean is that right like i think those two elements just kind of converged and produced Diana. They did, yeah, because you, we started to question, well, what has this person been doing? Why are they sticking around the town? And it, it just kind of led us into, you know, um, Diana as the time travel inventor, because that seemed to us to be the most kind of interesting character to reveal. So um, it opens, uh, we're in the future, 2194 or 2194. How are we saying the years in the future. 2194? 20, 2194, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's interesting to kind of get, why did you guys also want to then go back to the future to show us more of that? It, it just was a natural pull, I think, to want to go that day. I mean, in a later season, we probably would have gone back more to what happened before that day. Okay. But... In lieu of that, going back to that critical day that we introduced in the pilot and wanting to know about the first time all these people saw one another and also wanting to know how Reese happened to be there with them and also following up on what we saw in that episode two flashback where Reese grabs Leia and says, we're going to the long piece, Let's, let's go. Like showing how all those things came together. And also just a desire to, I don't know, we wanted to get a bit of a different look by showing the threshold. We knew that was something, there was a lot, there were many discussions and meetings about what that would look like and what the perfect location was. And at the end of the day, doing something that was pretty, in a way, threadbare, but still really cool. Yeah. Um, I think ended up working out. It's we, gritty and chaotic. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, and it doesn't feel 
you know, it doesn't feel like glossy sci-fi. No. It just, it feels like an old warehouse that like a slapdash team threw together to build a jerry-rigged thing. Right. To hopefully against hope send people into the past, you know? And, and just the, again, the chaos of that and showing how difficult it was to manage um, once all these people started to overflow it. Um, all that just seemed fertile and cool. Which is very, I mean, I, I like that. It was very natural and human, the way people would want to try to, to go, to yep. leave, once they knew that Apex is coming and had, had found them out. Yeah. At and the same time, it's this completely terrifying endeavor of, like, you're going to travel through time, you know, in a, in a machine that's somewhat untested. And Did, we were very conscious about not showing the machine. You know, we didn't, we felt, yeah, I think people's expectations are to see some giant, you know, technological futuristic device, but really, you know, we wanted to show We just them showed the waiting room. The waiting room. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're in the lobby of the time <laughs> yeah. travel associates. But, uh, and then we shot it with some blown out light and it, that sequence was actually shot a little bit differently too, with filters well, and... Because uh, of the, because of the light, and I got the sense that, it, and with the portal, this is something they walk through or they go through and they end up on the other side, or is it a machine that they get in... Like in when in your minds, what it's, is well, it? Well, they describe. We had to kind of hew to the description that we platformed in the pilot, which was when we had that big interview montage on the beach in the pilot, where everyone's describing what happened. There is a description about how they all got on a platform that was lowered down into the earth, and then there were sounds of thunder, and um, everyone was screaming and all that. So our our idea is that they went through into that light to another area, which was essentially a giant elevator down into the earth uh, where whatever forces were harnessed, dark matter or whatever was an idea we had at one point. We started (laughs) geeking out, but we didn't have to get into that because it's kind of a cheat, but also kind of the smart way to go, like not showing the machine really, just showing that, that, that waiting area or whatever. And then the inspiration for the big bright light that they went into, I mean, there's a couple kind of takeaways, I guess. But one was Close Encounters. It mm-hmm. wanted it to feel like, you know, Richard Dreyfus getting on that ship at the end. Right. And the other is just a big, bright, white light, metaphorically, means life and death and sure. all of those things. And they were kind of starting, they were kind of dying to be reborn in a new world. Did you guys come up with, in your mind, what, how the time travel would work? Or was it dark matter or... Oh, you mean that sort of magic? physics behind yeah. it? Not really. No. Well, because that's one thing in all the... I mean, obviously, we've talked to plenty of scientists here. And the one thing I don't think any scientist... I mean, maybe there's a few out there, but we didn't talk to them. But in, that I don't think there are many people who would claim, even the brightest people, to know how legitimate time travel might work. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we... Got Kip Thorne's email. You know, he was the consultant on Interstellar. Okay. And, um, but it, there was no dramatic need, I think, to Did we talk re- to him, though? We didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's my, my point. Is we, that, had email, we had his but email, but we didn't actually correspond <laughs> I was with him. slightly that. nervous about so emailing him, but we point. didn't <clears throat> actually consult. But he's one of the leading sort of, you know, uh, I guess he's a theoretical physicist at Caltech. Uh-huh. Um, I hope I'm getting that right. Um, and those, those notions are kind of well-worn, you know, like the way time 
portals open up and you know, the way you kind of travel through space and time. So there wasn't a dramatic need, I think, to reinvent that. But nobody or to even explain how they did it, you know? It was really about just they're here and we have to deal with them. Yeah, we could have, I mean, I guess at a later date, we could, date, we we, we, there, we could yeah. have gotten into, um, uh, you know, an explanation, a very brief explanation of this, the actual physics behind it, but in a way it seems superfluous like that to actually explain. But like you said, you, you talked to, uh, in the creation of the show, so many experts on all kinds of futuristic stuff and yeah. climate and things like that. Did you look, is there someone, I, I mean, nobody's really doing time travel research or experiments or trying to figure that out. Yeah, I don't think it's something some, I mean, I don't know for sure. I don't know the whole scientific landscape, but I, I don't, I feel like it's not a project that people are really yeah. getting into, like actually so transporting not, people through time. Well, I think people are waiting. Which would make me think that people or these best brains in, in the world don't think it's an actual possibility. No, or I think it's theoretical physics is, and theoretical physics, excuse me, they, um, you know, they've, we've blown open atoms and we've watched, you know, electrons sort of teleport, right? And it's a theory of quantum entanglement um, where, they feel like on that molecular level, something can go from A to B, mm. you know, instantaneously. And so that should prove that, you know, f like physical bodies can actually do that. You know? Okay. But I don't know that anyone's <laughs> actually working on, well, and is that, know, is that, I, that. I, but I wonder, I, I'm, because again, we did not go down this road with our research too much because we felt like it what, wouldn't be necessary this season. Right. But like, I, I am curious, like what the, Break, you know, there are scientists out there who think certain things are possible and certain things are. And I, I'm curious, like, I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who say that's never going to happen. There's probably a few who say it's it's going to happen. But I but I, I bet I bet the, the majority of really smart scientists, but I, whatever. This is just my own belief, like believe that we're never going to actually be able to transport people through time. Uh -huh. But who knows? I don't know. It's an interesting question. We should now now I kind of want to. Pull, pull people and figure out, <laughs> yeah. do you think this can actually happen someday? Because it seems like anything is possible, but, but, but certain things not so much. From what I remember, I don't think anyone believes it's possible to go back in time because of the kind of linear nature of time. Mm -hmm. um, but it might be possible to jump to the future because we can move that fast. Oh, yeah. And that the first thing that we'll be able to probably send to the future are just communications, you know. Subspace is a real thing, you know, a layer kind of below where we can, um, there might be something to that. But it's like that, that fit into the, their operating kind of, uh, principle of the show, which was, it was always the time travel aspect was always, they say in TV, whatever you get one by like uh -huh. one element that you just have to expect people to roll with because they will. But if you throw too many more buys at them, they're not, they're going to check out. And so time travel was always our one buy. Like all the other science in the show, right? That's why we talk to all these people that we talk to every week here, like to make sure it was legitimate or potentially legitimate. The time travel was a buy. Yeah, maybe it's possible, maybe it's not. And we like the idea that it was sort of fallible. You know, they ended up underwater. You know, right, a hundred feet or so underwater, which wasn't what they planned. And when we spoke to Andrew Hessel, we said, you know, how can we go about explain explaining that? Well, if you're moving from you know, if you open like a space, tear in space time, you're moving from possibly a, a point in Port, Port Canaan in 2194 to Port Canaan in, you know, 2018. Um, there's a, there's a, there's some, some passage of time as you step through that portal. 
but the Earth might be in a different position. Like, how could you calculate where the Earth is? Right. It, it orbits in a certain way. Its tilt axis is a certain way. And there's also what's called the wobble. So, like, what's going on right now in Hawaii, like with Kilauea erupting, yeah. that actually will make the Earth wobble a little bit. Uh-huh. So they're just a little bit off course. It's rushed, you know, their calculations and all that. I'm right. sure there's a huge, insane amount of math that goes into it, and then they end up off course. So we had all Is- these kind of explanations... For that, based on our conversations with Hessel. Is that part of it, do you think, is the fact that they were so rushed and they had to get it done right then? Maybe yeah. that's what the Yeah, that's things, what, the, I mean, again, that's something capacity. they say, they yeah. said that in the pilot. That yeah. was another thing we had to, that's why, that informed what we were going to shoot in this episode in terms of the chaos. Like, in the pilot, like they say in that, in that interview, like, it was chaos, no one knew what was going on, it was rushed. And Diana's partner says, you know, we've never taken this many, you know, the capacity right. was an issue. So, yeah, it was. And and that's another thing I like about Diana being and being introduced. You guys have a lot of strong female characters in the show. I mean, you know, it's 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 not even like, oh, there's there's one there and then there's one there. So was that a thought of yours or did that just also happen organically? Uh, I think it happened organic. I don't think in the earliest discussions we knew whether this character was going to be male or female. I think it was... No, yeah. we didn't know. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you, you, you just... Uh, you do what feels right. Like, if it feels like it should be a female character for whatever reason, there's certain just, I don't know, instincts that you have. And then in certain cases, and I know we did this with this character, you, you look back at the rest of your show and say, how many female characters do we have? How many male characters? And should this be female or male? And this one, I remember, it was like a toss-up. Because we did have a lot of female characters, but we also had a lot of male. Like, really, it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it came down on, on the female side. I don't remember exactly yeah. why. And her partner is a, a woman and is someone she believes is in the camp. Right, right. Um, I don't know if I'm spoiling episode. Um, but that, the flashbacks you see that her partner, you know, clearly is. Is that no, a conversation a, going on? In writers' rooms these days, uh, when it comes to women, and re- I mean, we've obviously seen that so much in the news. Um, so, is is that actually informing decisions? Do you think? I mean, are you talking about the Me Too movement, or just in terms of diversity, Me, and, diversi- and, and, diversity, and 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 hiring? You know, making uh, sure. Yeah, that- absolutely, and and in every department too, and with, not just with actors, but with directors and and writers. You know, the, certainly for ABC, the diversity is very important, and you know. They want you to. I think you evaluate people based on you know their skills in their particular field. You know, as a director, but there's a there's a concerted effort to make sure that everybody has opportunity. You know, and those people are getting in front of the people who do the hiring. Right. With this show, with with the actors, at least though, it was we. I've said this before about the diversity aspect of the cast in terms of incorporating different ethnicities. Same goes for gender. Like we're dealing with people who came from a couple hundred years in the future where there aren't going to be differences right? between races between, I mean, a woman's going to be able to be, I mean, barring a handmaid's tale type development, a woman's <laughs> going to be able to be Entirely a time possible. travel inventor just as well as a man can. So like that was never, we, we had carte blanche to make any character, any sex or any race we wanted, which was cool. Yeah. And it's just cool to, to, to go back and just think about, and then you have, okay, Diana, and then there's Agent Ren, and there's Eve, and there's Sophie. And, yeah, there's you a know, lot. Uh, it's, it's cool to see. I mean, you know, because we don't get that kind of mix, I think, uh, or we're starting to at least. Yeah. Um, and we also learn, let's see, that there's, 
they're they're going to a faction of the camp is going to split off with Naomi and right and they're going to take off and go to do to do what <laughs> to save <laughs> to, the world to leave well she i mean clearly Naomi believes that she has a way to change the path of human history right in right. the way the idea is that the sleepers have one way to do it and it's by eliminating apex, uh, nipping it in the bud scientifically, uh, be that through killing people or through altering science or whatever. And Naomi's idea, even though we don't make this explicit, her idea is more philosophical and she believes she can change hearts and, and minds. Like right. She believes she's, she can become, she wouldn't put it like this, but I think a, a kind of spiritual guru to the masses and in a way, and it goes back to what Pablo Holman in a way goes back to what Pablo Holman was talking about a couple podcasts ago about how instilling the values, instilling good values into humanity will be mm. the next step. Once we figure out AI and all these incredible technologies, like about how imbuing AI with, with good human values is going to help us uh, not disappear. <laughs> as a race so like it's similar i think she believes she can be that beacon and that by doing that like she can change the course of humanity for the better that's that's the idea but she needs people to do it she needs resources she's going to need people with guns you know what i mean because yeah. because with a profit you know you're gonna have people rising up against you and she's not gonna have she's not gonna be able to deal with that so she she needs to she needs a clear path so someone like that can be either incredibly beneficial or, you know, potentially dangerous. Uh, and then elsewhere in the episode, we also learn a bombshell that Rachel is alive. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love nice reveal, the yeah. end of this episode so much. Talk about, so then talk about that as being your, one of your favorite parts. Uh, that, that whole idea, that was, there's a lot of stuff Jay and I mapped out before the season started, and that was not one of them. Like, that was something that just, came up in the writer's room and we started to talk about it and we plant the seed for it visually very subtly in episode five, which is the episode where you show the sleepers coming back and Lindauer working his way up in the government and all that stuff. Uh -huh. the, in the teaser of episode five, when they arrive, there's a little, there, one of the sleepers as they're walking down the road at the end um, is holding a little holding a child okay in a hoodie so you can't see the child's face all you see it's super subtle it's very quick but as you see one of these people walking away you see a figure in his arms and it's small and you're like wow what's that so that's <laughs> the idea is that was rachel and the idea is that rachel like naomi because she was a part of apex right. for a while until she was either a sold on the bar black market or b rescued or whatever um, had access, was exposed to history, uh, human history, the record of it in a way that like most of the refugees were not, but in the way that Naomi was. So the sleepers brought her back as a tool to help inform like what their plan would be mm -hmm. to try to alter the course of history. That, that's the deep kind of backstory on it. Um, and Lindauer basically, you know, was her caretaker and grew to be her dad and she grew, she grew to be his daughter and, and it's just cool. Is, <laughs> and forgive me for not remembering or maybe I miss it. Is there a Mrs. Lindauer? 
Uh, there is not that we know no. of, right? Yeah, yeah he not had that we know of now. I think he was dedicated. He was married to his work, <laughs> <laughs> his work as a sleeper. Because if and the caretaking if I, of his neurodiverse daughter. If yeah. I remember correctly, when we first see Eve's house, or we we know that she'd been married, or right, yes. or she got remarried, or yes. something like yeah. that. Yeah, more um, of that. Yeah, and episode. everybody has to start a new. You know, I, I, the the first people that came back have to start a new life and you know assimilate mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would. There's a lot more on mm-hmm. Eve in the next episode too, in terms of what the deal was with her marriage and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for Lindauer, you guys never decided whether or not it was a bachelor. So Rachel was going to get a mother or something like that. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that was a that was a really great reveal. And this Diana's building some kind of device now. Yeah. Now what's she, she what's she building? And now there? she can. And I guess you know technology changes, but she she's super smart, so she can cobble together stuff from what they have in the past. Yeah. To build something. Well, yeah, we always love that idea of, I, I don't know, for some reason, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids comes to mind. If you think of the like the <laughs> ray, the the shrinking ray that he built in his attic, yeah. like it looked like it was cobbled together from junk. So that the idea that <laughs> she she would just be foraging, uh, you know, in dumpsters in the back alleys of uh, of Port Canaan's kind of low end department stores and and shoplifting at fries, yeah. <laughs> stripping copper wire out of construction sites and somehow coming up with this thing seemed cool to us. A lot of meet a lot of meetings about that prop too. Many many oh, many really? meetings many yeah. meetings about what that was going to look like. That was arduous. Um, yeah. in what in what way? Just trying to get on the same, trying to something like that. Like, were you guys fighting about it? Like, would it? No, well, no I wanted to it, look like this. Well, it, it's what well, it was modeled after a real device um, from the NOAA, so it, it is grounded in reality. But it, it was just about you know the, the size of it and how it works. When the it device, works. the device was some sort of atmospheric monitor, right? Yeah, it monitors. Uh, a few things, as yeah. she'll say, or reveal, rather. Um, yeah. No, yeah. she says it in nine. Oh, she does? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just worried we're spoiling ten, so... Uh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. She says it in this episode. Yeah. Talks Gravitational about, forces. You know, it's a, it's a detector for... For time travel. For time travel. Simple. Yeah. That there are some atmospheric changes and gravitational changes and stuff when that portal opens up and this thing should be able to detect it, so... Yeah. We're, we're just planting a flag there to say, yeah. gotcha. hey guys, more, more can happen in terms of more people can arrive. Well, that's a good place to leave it right there yes. as we get into the home stretch. Um, remember, later this week, we're going to have a two-part series finale, right? At a special time, they're going to run both the episodes. On a Saturday, unfortunately. On Saturday. But so, uh, whatever. That gives you plenty of time. Still prime time, you I guess. You have parties. Is a weekend considered prime time? Yeah, absolutely. A weekend at eight, eight, okay. Uh, you get eight, eight to ten. Grab your fireball and, you know, yes. go, go watch and, and have a party and find out how it all ends. The Crossing Podcast is a production of Brick Moon Fiction. Thanks to the creators of the show, Dan Dworkin and Jay Beatty. Thank you. Danke. And I'm your host, ABC Radio's Jason Nathanson. We'll cross paths later again this week. <laughs>